Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Beyond the Arc podcast. Today I'm here with Yash, aka Mathcabal. Good everyone. Yeah, so today we kind of wanted to do a more like theory-based pod, kind of like uh, our inspiration for this kind of probably like Ben Taylor. Sometimes he'll um, talk about these type of like more theoretical things um, for basketball. Um, so today we want to talk about the concept of like rolling. Um, so Yash, like, what are your what are your thoughts on it? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, twenty nine teams in the NBA uh, are or employ a pick and roll heavy offense. Uh, that's the modern NBA, uh, with the only exception being Golden State, of course. So, for the majority of offenses, uh, a good roller is a must, right? If you want a, a good NBA offense. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah. That, I guess that's a starting point that we can branch off of. Uh, I mean, so uh, uh, most most bigs, most rolling bigs are score first, uh, right? So they attack the basket and pick and roll, uh, put pressure on the big defending. And uh, depending on their path, it opens up uh, uh, options for other teammates as well. Uh, you know, that, that's basically a general overview of pick and roll. But uh Honestly, the pick and roll big is just as important as the pick and roll ball handler. And that's something I, I feel doesn't get talked about as much. Uh, so do you want yeah. to pick it up from here? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just view rolling as kind of a, it's just like an easy way to like bend the defense. Um, Cause it's something it's pretty easy to initiate, uh, but the results can be pretty fruitful in terms of like, if you have a ball handler who, uh, gets an advantage off the initial screen. Um, then you're in a two-on-one, and if the defense doesn't come and rotate, you can play that little like two-on-one game where you like floater, lob, pull up, dump off pass, and do all those things. Um, but then the defense, if the defense comes in, they they tag the roller that opens up like those weak side skips, and then you can play drive and kick from there. So that's kind of like the essence of NBA offense, except the Warriors, except the Warriors. <laughs> yep. Uh, but even for like a motion offense that, that Golden State runs, uh, a good roller is essential. Like Draymond Green is far from an ideal roller, but uh, he's unique in his own right in that he's a decision first player. So when, even when he attacks the basket, he still has value because he's looking to create for others, uh, depending on how the defense plays him. So, yeah, so rolling in any function is essential. Yeah. So we could maybe just start with Draymond as a roller because he's a very, very um unique role in terms of him just being like a short role type of guy um yep. i don't know how much of his floater game is there but you know he can uh ha- he can pass very very well from the short role which is extremely valuable and i think that every big coming into the nba is gonna have to be able to do that um to have a high level offense definitely yep uh but you know other guys that uh fit that label i mean just off the top of my head it's pretty difficult to name uh you know guys like draymond that are decision first rollers robert williams Williams, right uh i guess thad young even could nikola Nikola vucevic Mm. um i guess Jokic. uh Mm. see who else mason plumley kind of i don't know Bam Adebayo, Bam Adebayo, I think, has that element to his game. Cat mm-hmm. uh, can do that, but, like, the Wolves don't necessarily have someone that 
um, is going to be playing in the short role because like their ball, pick and roll ball handlers are not the best. Um, but in general, I think it's a little more widespread now. Even like Rudy Gobert, like his he's actually a decent short roll passer. But I think within like that like category of like short roll passers um, as a roller, there's a bit of nuance in there because like some guys are really good at just like super quick decisions. Um, like turn they like they get the ball immediately turn weak side boom hit the corner like Robert Williams yep. his velocity on those are really really good Draymond obviously um, he's really good at that Vucevic is really good at that too I think that's a little bit um, of a part of his game that's a little unheralded uh, mm-hmm. his decisions on the move um, so those guys come to mind to me for like super quick short roll guys and like Gobert like can make the read but like his passes aren't always like super accurate. Like I see Clint Capello, he tries to do it sometimes and it's the passes are not always there. And that, and that like half a second delay kind of um, sometimes will lead to a more like a tougher shot for the uh, offensive team. Yeah. Uh, openings definitely close uh, if they aren't capitalized on in an instant. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the thing is like, uh, you know, going down that list, a lot of those guys make decisions, but uh, what makes them as good as they are or their or their passing as valuable as it is, is because they're a threat to score attacking the basket. Uh, so, you know, th- this might feel a little simplistic, but uh, when you're rolling, the, when you're rolling and uh, a big is defending pick and roll, uh, you know, your threat, to, your threat to score makes that big, uh, I guess, step up towards you and uh, if you're a really a dominant roller, like someone like uh, Rudy Gobert comes to mind, uh, that forces additional uh, pressure on the defense, having more guys collapse in. And that's really what creates those uh, like skip passes or cuts to the basket uh, that the big can then capitalize on. We can actually kind of use Utah as like a bit of a case study because, you know, uh, recently the like the stat about like, Donovan Mitchell only passed the Rudy Gobert like twice in a game. Like mm-hmm. just overall, like his uh his passing in the system is to Gobert specifically are really low, and that's pretty concerning. Seeing that Mitchell's like the Jazz's like highest volume pick and roll guy, and just highest volume in general. And Gobert is their main like guy who's setting the screens, rolling to the basket, and they just it doesn't appear to be um, any sort of connection like. Um, and that's kind of devolving Utah's offense. But even though if you check their offensive rating right now, I'm pretty sure they're they're still up there, like top three, top five, like on oh, the yeah. air. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird that's all that all this smoke around the passing, but like their offensive rating is still uh, staying staying up there. But kind of like Utah as a more like theoretical um, theoretical view. So Gobert's rolling, um, like kind of like kind of what I said earlier about like it forces the weak side uh, defender to tag, and then right. the Jazz can throw that weak side skip, and then now they're getting to the drive and kick game, and they have like they usually have like four or five guys that are high level decision makers can shoot the ball, make um, two dribbles and a pass, all those type of reads, which makes their offense really really deadly. Yeah, uh, and back to that point about. Uh, you know, Gobert rolling and, uh, you know, guys not finding him. Uh, it may not show up in the regular season, but against certain coverages, like, uh, you know, they really struggled against the, the Clippers uh, switching scheme last last playoffs. And though there was also additional context, like we can bring up injuries, uh, you know, be, not being able to, I guess, for one, Rudy is limited and just bag, so to say. 
uh, but but not no finding him and <laughs> <laughs> no bag. Like, right, I know. I mean, uh, he's shooting something like someone brought this up as a counter to that Mitchell passing stat, but Gobert shooting something like uh, two for fourteen on hook shots this year or something crazy like that. Wait, so he's only but taking if, uh, 14 hook shots on the year? I know, exactly. That's really what, what pointed that, That's really what, you know, glared out to me. You're looking at that stat. Sure, he was two for 14, but why is he only taking 14? Like any player, regardless of if they have like absolutely zero touch or uh, zero finesse at the rim, if you have deep enough position and you're a seven-footer, you're going to be able to put it in the basket. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, you know, Utah not being able to find Rudy makes them uh, a little more guardable, so to say. Uh, especially against certain schemes. Yeah. So what do you think about rolling in terms of like it's regular season value and it's playoff value? Um, I think, uh, you know, in, in the playoffs, it's all about getting a bucket, right? So, you know, that's where everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all uh, ball don't stop. Uh, but it, it, that's really what it comes down to, you know, at, in the playoffs schemes, everything goes out the window. You're trying to maximize, uh, your offense by, you know, make, getting the easiest bucket possible. And usually for a lot of guys, that's, you know, giving it to your star player, you know, have them go, uh, attack my mismatches and get to their spots. But in the cases that, you know, as a counter to that, you can always, uh get it to your big down low and that's always an easy two so if your big rolls hard uh it gets close gets positioning close to the basket uh you know getting an easy two is is good offense regardless of if it's regular season or playoffs yeah that's an underrated part about rolling too because if you get if you roll you might get like inside positioning uh shot goes up you're you're in a good place to get an offensive rebound um, mm-hmm. And then also, like, you know, it could force maybe, like, a mismatch, like, the weak side defender or the, the drop big might be, like, too slow to get back. So then now there's, like, a smaller guy on the uh, center who is trying to, like, tag down or something like that. Yeah, so that's a pretty good source of offense. My kind of thoughts, though, is rolling is really important for having a successful regular season offense. And and while you could – well, it's still important in the playoffs if you, could, if you can go to, like, if you have a good enough big um, – Teams kind of negate that in a way by switching when they play a lot more switch heavy lineups. And then going back to, I guess, Utah, kind of harping on them a little bit. Um, teams are not afraid to switch against them because Rudy Hubert, two of 14 on hook shots, he doesn't really seal well. And he's actually kind of like kind of thin. Um, so has a harder time backing guys down. He just, you know, it doesn't have the bag, you know, I like guess you said, no bag out of Gobert. Um, yeah, so also having like, those skilled bigs that can punish teams uh, when they, when they like switch a pick and roll is uh, really important too. Totally. Yeah. And that's what make guys like Deandre and uh, you know, Uber valuable guys that not only are dominant rollers uh, and can coexist, coexist next to, you know, creative playmakers like Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Uh, but when, you know, also add that uh, element of, you know, unpredictability where if teams switch against them, then, uh, you can just feed it down to eight and have him go to work and, you know, get to that hook shot that he's patented this year. Uh, yeah. So for you, who are some like rollers that come to mind for you in terms of like being the best or like just guys you find interesting um, at all? Um, like Anthony Davis is, is more fundamental. Uh, you know, he he's one of the most skilled bigs in the league, but, uh, what makes him so good is 
you know, just his, his lob catching, that lob threat. Uh, you can really throw it up anywhere around the basket and AD will catch and finish. Uh, and, you know, going back, thinking basketball, I made a video a couple of years ago calling Anthony Davis the uh, the biggest lob threat ever, largely due to that wingspan and uh, that catch radius. And, you know, guys like that, uh, you know, watching Golden State this year and, and having Kavon Looney pump fake wide open layups, you know, it really puts that into perspective. But just watching AD, you know, even even uh, a hampered AD uh, with age and injury is still like an elite uh, rolling big. Yeah, those Pelicans days when he was like just catching these crazy, crazy lobs, like probably like his peak um, athleticism was they're just crazy to see like his catch radius. Um, also, it's really funny to see Kavon Looney that would literally run like empty corner pick and rolls and he can't, he still can't, can't finish. finish. <laughs> yeah, I find oh, those really yeah. funny. Um, so yeah, so you said AD, I guess, I, you, what do you think of Draymond as well? Are you a fan of him or kind of soured on him a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I've soured on him a bit. Uh, you know, playoff Draymond is still, you know, uh, still a sight to be seen and he definitely turns it up, no doubt. Uh, but at this point, he, he's hampered or he's not who he was a couple years ago due to age and uh, injury. Uh, he, he doesn't get much lift at all anymore. Uh, in 2016, he was, uh, you know, people don't realize, but, uh, you, know, it, you know, he's always been an excellent passing big. But him being able to finish those plays that, you know, created off of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson diving to the bucket, uh, he was shooting something like 70 percent at the rim and at decent volume. Uh, because he could finish through guys and uh, you know that that's you know people talk about the shooting when it comes to Draymond uh, Draymond's offensive decline but that finishing uh, really stagnating these last couple years has uh, played a huge role in that as well Uh, but Draymond today uh, I I, you know on on my team I'd still take him Uh, as a pick and roll partner I'm still comfortable because of that of that decision making that we talked about even if he isn't the, the greatest threat to score at the basket, uh, I think he gives you a little something in the playoffs, just enough to uh, make him a capable partner. He's a really good pick and roll partner. If you have a guy that's super dynamic getting downhill, the teams are going to put two on the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Like Steph Curry, like, I mean, I guess teams kind of put two on the ball because just because of his pull-up shooting. Um, but that's not the, necessarily the same as like a John Morant, like turning the corner and like, uh, getting downhill, but I think it would be really good if the the Warriors kind of kind of had a more like traditional role man um, that they could just tap into. And I think you this, you've you've talked about this before too. And then Draymond, like when so if some guys like cooking, like a Jordan Poole's cooking, um, and they put teams are going to put two on the ball, put Draymond in that short role, and then have that regular rolling big like in the dunker spot. And now you're playing four yep. on three. Um, so that'd be a pretty cool thing if the Warriors could do that. Yeah, I really uh, Draymond's do, always I, been. Oh yeah. Uh, Sorry, you go. go. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Draymond's always been good at throwing lobs. Uh, yeah, I, I like that point about uh, having another big. He does who doesn't even have to be a rolling partner, but can play off of Draymond and uh, what he can do in the pick and roll. Uh, like Draymond's always been good at throwing lobs to uh, a guy cutting baseline, like Andre Iguodala, for example. Uh, so you know, there's no reason he couldn't do that with a seven footer. You know. Mm. Let's talk about maybe some more like what I guess you would say like the more typical role men that are like mainly lob catching things like that like maybe like a Javel McGee, um, Dwight Powell. I'm trying to think who else like a 
I mean, Zubach kind of not, not not as much. Um, Rob Williams. Rob Williams. Or traditional. Yeah. We're talking traditional or like. Well, the, I mean, Robert, Robert Williams doesn't have like that vertical element still on top of his short roll passing. I think mm-hmm. Robert Williams actually is a really good kind of framework for the type of uh, big that teams are going to want moving forward. Because um, like you look at a guy like Mark Williams at Duke. Duke. Um, obviously, he has like the crazy the crazy tools, but like I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a huge draft guy, but part of the intrigue um, with him is that he's like decently comfortable with the the balls the ball in his hands. Um, I can I can double check that really quick. Uh, but like even like some of like the bigger bigs coming like a like a Jalen Duran Jalen Duran. Uh, part of the the intrigue about him is like he's also a pretty good passer too on top of like mm-hmm. his crazy tools um so like i feel like bigs coming in it's it's gonna be hard for you to carve out like a really steady role if you're not comfortable like in the short with the ball in your hand or if you don't necessarily get the lob right away um you can like catch it kind of deep and like finish from there like i feel like that's kind of just necessary now yeah uh again going back to predictability when defenses throw different defenses will always throw different coverages different uh different schemes at you and uh bigs that can do more than one thing will always be valuable yeah because like i feel the discourse around like um big men like a few years ago was that like oh you just like rim rim run lob catch protect the rim on the other end but i think now that definition is kind of expanding a little bit um so I think that's a pretty interesting thing to, to witness. Um, yep. So going back, is there another? Is there another big? Actually, can we talk about Vucevic? I really like Vucevic. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a big fan. So um, Vucevic, I think, super super crucial to the Bulls' offense, and I honestly think they don't utilize him enough. Because um, I think earlier in the year, there will there be times he'll like you know he'll jump out, have a bigger scoring game, but his ability to obviously you know get the short roll. Um, and he's also a really good finisher around the basket. He has good hands and he not, he might not be like dunking on everyone, but you'll find like nifty angles to to finish. But I think another, uh, interesting part about his pick and roll game is that the bulls will often flow his, his roles into like kind of what we said earlier about positioning, like into kind of some more deep low post touches. Mm-hmm. Um, and teams kind of double, they double Vucevic or like they'll shade over to him and then the bulls can play off that instead of having like Zach Levine and DeRozan and like live on a super tough shot diet like you can throw it into Vucevic he can draw uh draw defenses in or he can he can take it for himself because he's a he's a pretty good post score he doesn't draw fouls at a rate you would like but um he's a pretty good post score and and the Bulls utilizes utilizes rolling to uh flow into those post which I think is also another uh interesting element yeah um and yeah, one point about Vucevic is, uh, the, you know, the three-point shooting has uh, the touch that comes from that. Has, you can really see it in his pick-and-roll game as well, uh, getting to that floater, that push shot, uh, which is also essential for a lot of bigs, uh, not only bigs that aren't athletically gifted, but just as a counter. Uh, so when, when teams usually trap the ball handler that puts you at the middle of the floor, uh, bigs that have that floater in their game, uh, you know, uh, ultimately bring more value than guys that are just rim runners. Yeah, when people harp on like Vucevic, oh, he's not making his threes at like a good clip. Like, would you rather have 
see like a like a big who can like kind of shoot like teams are obviously gonna like dare them to shoot um but they can't really roll as well or a guy who's gonna roll well but they're you know they're not gonna be taking those threes i know that's like a very stark kind of like binary like uh way of looking at it but like when uh when people are like oh this whatever this center can't like shoot the ball like even if they could shoot the ball like teams aren't really gonna guard them regardless Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're kind of giving the defense like an out for like a lower percentage shot. Um, like I think Gorgie Dang sometimes that's how he is. Like his three point shooting, he's he's had some times where like teams kind of need to close out on him, but like he has a really really slow form. Um, so like teams can like late contest and just like live with it. Like, would you rather have him rolling maybe and like bend the defense to get a better look later down the line, or even like a Valanciunas who like he. I'm I'm not sure his three point percentage off the top of my head, but I don't I don't think it's like yeah wasn't he wasn't he leading the league in three point percentage or something I mean, like that earlier in the year? It's probably dropped like significantly. That should be pretty to this crazy. point. But let's just his form looks kind of weird. Like you know, um, it's just a very very slow release. Let's see what is he shooting thirty six percent from the three this year. So that's like that's decent, but like I bet his volume isn't too yeah. high. Um, but yeah, just like when people when people want to convert these bigs into like, oh, I want them to be able to like pick and pop, especially with like draft analysis stuff. I'm like, I don't feel like that that's important. Like that's not really going to change like their outlook down the line. Like maybe it's like a marginal thing. Like, oh, you can like sometimes make this pick and pop shot. Like I'd rather have them be like really, really good at rolling than being like an, a kind of okay pick and pop guy. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so like, unless you're, like a Carl Anthony Towns, Christian Wood, uh, a uniquely Jokic level shooter, you're really not going to have too much value as a pick and pop. And even those guys, like, uh, you know, it, it might come as a hot take, but for the guys like Cat especially, but they aren't really at their best even when they're shooting the ball. Um, you know, when they're driving or when they're getting to the middle of the floor, collapsing the defense, uh, that's really when they're at their best. Um, and like you said, uh, that's largely due to teams not wanting to or not willing to guard you out there. Uh, you know, either due to wind up concerns or just the fact that you're not that good enough of a shooter. So yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I'd much rather have a big that uh, that's a capable pick and roll partner uh, gets to the middle of the floor, collapse the defense rather than one that's just like uh, mostly just an outlet, a late clock outlet for a three. Yeah. The typical late clock, like throw it out to the big, he like, throws the ball in his hands and like takes his time and yep. shoots a three and clank or mm-hmm. something, something like that. Um, let's see. I kind of want to do like some sort of like ranking of uh, like bigs you want as rollers. So how about let's do, uh, let's see, DeAndre Ayton, Bam Adebayo, and let's see what's a third guy, Rudy Gobert. Out of those three, rank those three in terms of like what you want in a roller or like who would you rather have? That's so on the spot. But yeah, go mm. for it. Yeah, uh, man, this is tough. But I take, I definitely have Rudy last out of those three, and then uh, split hairs between Bam and uh, Aiton. Bam and Aiton, right? Uh, and that's largely due to the decision making for me, because uh, I, I think all three are, are really good uh you know are, are capable threats to score at the basket they're they're they bend the defense uh because of their ability to do so uh but bam and Aiton give you more of that 
that that playmaking threat uh, that they can do more with the ball in their hands off of playing off of traps, for example, uh, than someone like Rudy. Uh, and from there, those two, Aiton is the better scorer for me. Uh, like like Bam is just as athletic, just as talented, but he's not as aggressive as Aiton can get. And I don't know, but he is the better playmaker. Uh, yeah, I guess it's but, just a philosophy thing. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you weigh more? And it probably depends a lot more on team context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that plays into that. Uh, yeah, I really can't pick between those two. Yeah, I have my yeah. answer. I have my yeah, answer. Go for it, it is awfully very. It is obviously very close, but I rather have Aiton just because of his scoring. I I think I mm-hmm. value his scoring um, just a little bit more. I think he's capable enough to making those like playmaking reads bam does too because yeah. those, those playmaking reads when it's like a four on three given advantage like they're important but it's not like the highest like leverage type of deal you know like i think Aiden mm-hmm. can make those passes like just as uh just as well and i rather have his you know scoring like his uh his posting because i think he really really punished teams when they uh they have a smaller guy i mean also he's just bigger than bam too he's like probably yeah. seven he's like seven feet seven one something around there and bam's probably like six nine i think uh so I th- yeah and also bam's aggressive man that kills me. it's like he's like he's like a uh like just only like a handoff guy now a lot of times i just i rather i just want to see him like attack you know like remember yep. that phase earlier last year when there was no jimmy no tyler hero um and then ba- there was like some crazy iso numbers for like bam i don't know if you remember that or oh yeah early yeah he was season. cooking uh, i think yeah. it's that brooklyn game especially turned a lot of heads yeah. Uh, where he was, uh, when he was really, uh, getting to the idea of what he is, you know, getting, getting to that mid range attacking mismatches, uh, you know, Bam can be a lot better than he is right now, but and aggressiveness really is a factor even for a lot of these like NBA stars. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bam in that stretch, he kind of settled for a lot of long twos and I think he was kind of living on a unsustainable diet of those type of shots um but yeah like now right like right now because like i think hero is taking a step and then they have like they probably have like one movement shooter on the court at all times and Struess yep. and robinson lowry shooting the ball a little more so they just have a lot of mouths if you know i guess i guess bam's kind of taking the short end to that because like he's almost like a wing in terms of like what he could be um just like his mobility and like yep. maybe some mid post stuff I don't know. He's he's kind of in a weird spot career-wise because I think he could probably take a bigger scoring load, but he's he's just not being aggressive. Whether that be like just him or also like what's going on around him. How about now? Let's do like a kind of like a short roll type of comparison between guys. So like Robert Williams, Draymond. um, Who's another short roll guy we can throw in there? Vooch. Sure. Okay, so Robert Williams, Vooch, and who's the other guy I said? Draymond. Draymond, okay. I'll go first on, I'll go first on this one. Yeah. Hmm, okay. I think Vooch is definitely the best out of all of them. Um, yeah, I think Vooch is definitely the best. I think he's definitely the best offensive player out of mm-hmm. uh, all of them because I think he has like kind of like the touch passing Robert Williams brings in terms of like his velocity and just like turning around really quickly, identifying who to hit, and he throws it there. Um, and also, but he also has like, like a better touch around the basket. He could, he's a lot better of a scorer than Robert Williams. Like he's definitely a higher usage guy. 
but he doesn't have the vertical element Robert Williams has. So yep. I'm kind of thinking Robert Williams second, Draymond third, but like Draymond's passing is, I think a lot, not a lot better, but it's definitely more impactful sometimes than Robert Williams. So Robert Williams is kind of a connector. Like that's how I would grade his passing. I wouldn't say it's like he's manipulating anyone. Like I think Draymond does some of that manipulation to like get higher value looks. What do you think of that for Draymond? Yeah, uh, manipulation, Draymond, I don't know. I really don't think he does too much of that. Uh, Draymond's passing, I think, uh, you know, just the way I viewed it the last couple of years, it kind of has me in a weird spot right now. Uh, like Draymond's really good. I think what Draymond does really well is delivery. Uh, he's able to get the ball through like these tight angles. Uh, he's really good at getting the ball uh, right to the shooter's pocket, things like that. Uh, where where I think he's limited is making reads that are outside of the box. Um, so, you know, he, right now he's, he's obviously mastered uh, getting, so if to, to go with Steph, uh, when he's curling, for example, he's, he knows it's in the back of his mind just to hit the cutter. Uh, but sometimes when, when teams muck that up too, uh, he struggles to make reads outside of the box. And, you know, I, I think that's, that really, ha- that's where Draymond has me at a, at a weird spot with his passing. Um, but if we're getting, should I, should I put my list out or for those yeah, two guys? For it, for it. Yeah. Okay. So I'd, I'd have Draymond last too. Uh, he is the, he's definitely the best passer of the three and best in making decisions in that short role. But, uh, you know, how much value does that really have with you know, him not being the scoring or any scoring threat whatsoever at the rim? Because uh, what really used to destroy teams was when uh, when Draymond rolled, you had to step up because he was going to attack the rim as a as the number one option. But now teams are content with like, uh, you know, kind of doing what Draymond does, you know, conceding that floater or uh, a contested layup by uh, by his hands rather than uh, making him or allowing him to make a play. Uh, so, you know, considering that, I'd have him last, uh, just that lack of scoring threat. And those first two guys, again, were Vooch and Rob Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't watched as much Chicago as you have, uh, but – you know, the, I, I like the idea of, of Vooch. Uh, you know, he isn't the vertical threat that lot Rob is, as you said, but uh, he's someone that can punish, punish mismatches, catch in the middle of the floor and make something out of nothing, uh, can make similar reads to what Rob can. Uh, though Rob, uh, you know, he is the vertical threat, but he doesn't have that in-between game, uh, making defensive pay, defenses pay if he catches in the middle of the floor. So, I, man, this is splitting hairs again, but I, I, I'd go with what you went as well. Vooch first, Rob second, and then Dre third. My thinking with, like, Vucevic not being, of, I guess, a vertical threat, but I mean, he can still mm. catch lobs. So my, my whole mm. thing with that is if the window is there, I think Vucevic, or I think most bigs in the NBA are able to, are going to be able to finish. I don't think Vucevic has athleticism, his athleticism hasn't diminished to the point where like he like can't get off the ground like a Lamarcus Aldridge, mm-hmm. so I think when that window is there, I think like a like a properly open window, I think Vucevic can finish those like just as well as Robert Williams. It's just like the the tighter ones where you know have to like the the guard has to throw it a little bit higher. That might be like a little bit too much for him, but I think he makes up for that with just like his on the ground finishing. 
um, that's kind of my thought mm-hmm. about it. And then I have another thing with Robert Williams because I know um, when he went down with his, I think meniscus injury, people were saying, oh, like the or you know typical reactionary to injury stuff. Um, they're like, oh, Celtics are they're they're done for. But I don't think Robert Williams. He's not a very he's a like a really low usage offensive player for the Celtics. Like his only his pretty much only value is like what we've been talking about is like short roll passing, not short roll passing, just his passing in general, like kind of like a elbow hub, top of the key hub, and then his lob catching. But I think you can replace that because you have Al Horford. I think Daniel Tice could do that like reasonably well. Um, and you can also just like slide Tatum up to the four because like what they've been doing is playing Horford and um, Horford and Williams together. And I just put Tatum at the four, and you actually might have better shooting in these lineups with putting mm-hmm. like a Derek White there. Um, they're just a little more like perimeter, perimeter oriented, guard oriented things like that. Because Al Horford's like an okay shooter, like he's he shot decent this year, but like it's not something like crazy that the defense is gonna harp on. Um, mm-hmm. Like you kind of, if come playoff time, he probably would have been the guy that defenses are gonna like leave, um, and that's kind of like. The, the defense is out for the Celtics. Um, so they actually, I could see a world where actually now they're a better offensive team. Now defensively, there might be an issue because they're a bit smaller, but I mean, they still do have the, I know this is a Boston tangent now, but like they still have the decent rim protectors in Tatum and Horford. So we'll mm-hmm. see. So, uh, you know, a bit of a tangent again, but if Boston were to play like a, a Philly uh, or Denver, you know, a team that has a dominant big, would it have been Rob checking that, checking that Jokic and beat, or would it have been like Al Horford? It would have been Al Horford. They, that's what they've okay. been doing the whole year. Um, because I All specifically right. remember like the the Denver game they played. It was in the middle of like when they are really ramping up their their wins. Al Horford mm-hmm. was guarding Jokic like almost every possession. And, you know, Williams would occasionally like get the switch on him, and like that's a switch like Celt- the Celtics are they're gonna be okay with. And he did he did okay in um some of those matches. I think also like. The, the game they played the against the Nuggets that I specifically watched, the Nuggets were coming off a pretty long road trip. Um, so Jokic was kind of like clearly gassed. He was settling a lot. Um, so I haven't watched him get like fully, fully tested. Um, and for the, for the Philly part of it, yeah, Embiid, like, I mean, Horford historically has given Embiid pause, but this is a whole new level of Embiid, what we're yep. seeing now. Um, so I think Embiid, if... If they make a if they can make a post entry, I think the uh, Philly might have some issues. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Philly. I just think defensively they're pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like Harden's like effort. His transition defense sucks. Like I don't know what their defensive identity is going to be. Now offensively with his like diminishing finishing ability. Yeah. Another Philly, another Philly tangent. But yeah, I think Celtics have a still pretty good chance. Like obviously, it hurts not having because uh, Robert Williams is probably their most athletic big by far. Like not even close. Yep. You lose that, but I think they can make up for it. And then maybe if he returns later rounds, um, they might get him. So we, you know, we haven't talked about yet. Like kind of like the guard short rule or the guard rule stuff. So like a Bruce Brown. I'm trying to think who else. I think Marcus Smart does a pretty good job of that. Anyone else who comes to mind for you? Um, I think Gary Payne the second uh, mm, replicates yeah. some of that, uh, though he, he he doesn't do it at the volume that or he isn't or given the opportunity to do so at the volume that like a Bruce Brown or Marcus Smart does. 
but yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of you know the the little rollers, you know. The little oh, Josh, makes. you know who underrated guy? Josh Green. Josh Hart. Josh Green. Yeah. Josh okay. Green. Yeah, Josh mm-hmm. Green's been doing a lot of that because his shooting is you know it's okay, but it's not respectable enough for uh, defenses. So when yep. um, the Mavericks especially tap into the like that second unit lineup with like Maxi Kleba at the five because Kleba could shoot it a bit. So you have Green more as a roller, and Green's actually a, uh, he's a pretty good decision maker on the move. Um, mm-hmm. The times I've seen him play, he's made some really really good reads, and he's also like he's also like pretty like athletic, um, if I'm not mistaken. It might be just oh, like, yeah, he's I, I watched a bit of him in high school. That might have been what I'm thinking of. Like maybe he's not like NBA crazy athletic, but he's like a pretty good dunker. So if he gets oh, yeah, he definitely like, is. Yeah, he you'll have a shot at like maybe dunking on someone or something like that. But yeah, he's a pretty good um, short world decision maker. Um, kind of like, kind of like draft analysis type theory. That's why when, I don't know, I feel like guys can carve out, like they, may not, may, they might not be like a plus shooter, um, but if they have like the feel with the ball in their hands, I think that's a pretty good role. And then, you know, maybe the shooting will come along and then they can probably play in, uh, better lineups, but I think I, I don't I don't worry too uh, too much as much about like the shooting because I think guys can carve out roles like a, like a Josh Green like short rolling things like that because I think there's value there. Yeah, um, yeah. Getting back to the the point, like I'm a I'm a fan of the concept in general. The you know the little rolling. Uh, I think one element that you know well overall the the reasoning behind that is like you said to get non-shooters involved in into the play have them uh, uh make decisions you know put them at their strengths and one advantage that that they bring that bigs might not is the quickness so you know guys are able to, to screen and, and get into the middle of the floor quickly uh catch the ball and uh you know make plays off of that and so that's that's one element that they bring uh do you think that you know smalls rolling do you think that's really a sustainable concept going into the playoffs and beyond yeah i was literally just thinking of a variation of that mm-hmm. um right now i mean i don't see why not you know like if you have the floor spacing five where you're not on the other end on the, on defense you're not giving up like too much size like i think it's a pretty viable thing like like i said like if you have if you're the mavericks you have like maxi kleba um at the five who could like shoot it pretty well uh, then you could have like a a guard uh roller type guy um even with the celtics like they put marcus smart a lot in these guard to guard pick and rolls um and they get him in the middle of the floor his decision making isn't the quickest but like you know he's still a guard you know like he still has that over like a like probably like a slower big yeah. um mm-hmm. what, what do you think of the inter do you think this is more of like a fad that's going to go away as like the overall skill level of bigs that are coming in increase or do you think this is something that's going to be here for a while like this concept of like guards rolling to the basket um i think i don't know because i think it'll stay around for a bit because uh most of the time when guards are getting involved like this is when uh the defense is like trapping the ball handler right or because usually in traditional pick and roll uh, if you're rolling with a small, then uh, for one that that clogs up the middle, it really doesn't let them uh, even get a shot off uh, or you know create off of that. Uh, so, yeah, I think it'll stay around. Yeah, yeah, I think with those guard to guard pick and rolls too. I, I was I went back and forth on this like literally just right now. 
Huh. So I was thinking, like, why are you going to do this with a small guy that probably can't catch lobs like a big man? Um, but a lot of the times where these types of actions, they what they stem from is teams trying to force a switch. Yep. So I don't think that concept is going to go away for defenses. So, like, teams are going to constantly still – they're still going to do, like, guard-to-guard, pick-and-roll stuff. And sometimes, you know, they're just going to put two on the ball instead of just, like, trying to hedge and get back. Um, which opens up like that type of short rolling. So I think, I think it'll be here to stay for, for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's do one more, one more ranking of like the kind of like the small short roll guys, and then we can wrap up. So like Bruce Brown, like we said, Marcus Smart. Do you want to do Gary Payton in a second? I feel like there's another guy, maybe like a. Terrence Mann. Let's do Terrence Mann. Oh, Terrence Mann. I think that's Mann. someone that's we didn't bring one. up. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Let's just throw Josh. I want to throw Josh Green in there too. I yeah, know you, you might have not seen him, but yeah. I, I watched a bit of him. So it's Josh Green, Terrence Mann, Bruce Brown. Who's the fourth guy? Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart. Okay. That's a weird list to. I mean, I guess Bruce Brown's the most like notorious guy for, because he has like the floater game, um, yep. and he's pretty he's pretty good at that. Um, Marcus Smart. Hmm. This is weird. I don't, okay, Josh Green, this I think, is, is definitely last because I don't think he could really score well enough. Like, he can make passes on the move, but I don't really. Does he, he have really the in between game? He does not no? have in between. Okay. No. His, his offensive skill level is pretty low, hence why he's doing this short roll stuff and not spotting right. up, things like that. Um, Terrence Mann, that's an interesting one because he can finish like pretty well. I don't know how good his like mid range game is. Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't remember either. I was just thinking back to last last year's playoffs, and yeah, uh, you know, aside from just like the wide open corner threes, I think he was also killing them with the short roll. Um, Utah. I can't believe how many open threes he was getting. It was like every. Oh my god! Yep. Utah just forty something didn't didn't x out for some reason. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, this is just so weird. (laughs) Such a weird. (laughs) <laughs> ranking i think i have to put bruce brown first i think his fluidity in terms of like um getting to his floater i trust that a little more than than marcus smart um mm-hmm. i think marcus smart's a pretty he's a pretty good passer i think that's a bit underrated for him yep um and i guess terrence man third i don't really know his game well enough to be honest yeah you know, i don't know either he is the biggest out of all of them but mm-hmm. what do you what do you think and then we can wrap up yeah, uh, Marcus Smart, definitely the best uh, playmaker of the bunch. Uh, I'm here looking at Terrence Mann's like percentages from floater floater range because I really don't know either. Uh, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure he's a he's a pretty solid decision maker. Um, I feel like yeah, I think for those. What's that? What are the what are the numbers in his floater game? Because I have a I, yeah. I feel like I've seen him. Um, get to that a little bit but i'm not i'm not entirely sure uh he takes 1.6 shots in the paint non-restricted area uh okay. so comparing that with like a bruce brown okay so he takes well, bruce brown takes two floaters again okay. shoots 37 percent, and the, the volume is similar with man he takes 1.6 shoots like 40 43 so that's that's pretty okay. solid that's pretty solid I mean, I, I don't think the Clippers just use him that much in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Brown's definitely... That might just be him. That just might be him taking, like, short mid-range Yeah, numbers. just attacking off the basket. Or attacking the mm-hmm. basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he does have the touch mm-hmm. that someone like... 
I don't know. Something like Marcus Smart doesn't have. Marcus Smart's uh, touch is actually it's uh, it's it's okay. It's I don't know. It, it's off and on. Sometimes you'll see these bad misses, but I think his offensive game gets undersold a little bit. Like I think mm-hmm. he's a, I think he's actually a decent shooter. Like even though the numbers don't tell you so, like he he mm-hmm. will hit. Um, he'll hit he'll hit shots. He also take a lot of shots, but yeah. Yeah. He's super streaky. He fits that label definitely. Yeah. Uh like what he had a game in the bubble where he hit like eight threes. He has the, I, the I, franchise record. Thing thing. Um, yeah. Eight like pointers made in a game for the oh, Celtics. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So he's definitely not someone you can leave open because yeah. like I don't know, you just don't want to have that peace of mind. Yeah. What yeah. if like guys that people just like leave as not shooters, what if they just start shooting every three wide open, like no hesitation? Like are teams gonna guard them at some point or like are they just teams gonna forever let them shoot? I know that's a weird thing I've always been juggling. Yeah, this is something that's always crossed my mind. Like, do defenses defenses defend on attempts or do they defend on like proficiency and making well, just shots? Like, which... I guess just respect. I might that just might mm-hmm. be it. I don't I don't think yeah. it's it might be just respect. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I guess teams respect Markish smart ish. Because or they'll know they know he'll take it, so like might as well contest it. Exactly. Yeah, so I I definitely think like yeah, if you're shooting them, then you're gonna you're gonna get contested at some too. at some point. Yeah, they're just gonna yep. contest you. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, any last thoughts, or we can wrap things up here. Uh, pick and roll bigs are essential, and the Warriors need one. Yes, the Warriors definitely need one. James Wiseman, hopefully he's that guy. Uh, save us, James. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that is okay. all. All right. All right, everyone, thank you for listening to another edition of the Beyond the Arc podcast, and we'll have another episode next week. Thank you.